The force be with you. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> with all due respect to Star Wars fans everywhere, the uh, you know I think this past Friday was the fourth, and it was like this revelatory event where Star Wars Star Wars toys came out, and we can start guessing about the plot of Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, coming I think around Christmas time, right? December is when the movie is coming out. Uh, the force be with you. I want to compare the force be with you to what prayer really is as we start. Because the force be with you is actually George Lucas decades ago um, creating this as part of this fantasy film series. And it's great when it comes to fantasy. But it is a new age concept. Uh, a spiritual, religious, new age concept. That there's this impersonal idea floating around that you can tap into. This awareness of oneness between everything in the planet. This, this uh, attitude of kindness toward others. This energy field that can perhaps connect two people in some way. The force be with you, we say. And if we're Lutherans, we say, and also with you. I, I get that vibe sometimes, and I get a little concerned when I hear this statement somewhat flippantly passed around, oftentimes by news media people. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. It makes me wonder what that person thinks when they say that, and if they combine, combine prayers with thoughts, that combo idea is kind of like saying, the force be with you. That, you know, I just have this attitude toward you that is positive thinking, and because of that, I just wish you well. That's not prayer. So today, we want to make sure that we understand the difference between an idea that, that floats or a force like gravity and that God is not an idea and He's not a force. He's a radically personal being. And that's very different than the force be with you. God is so personal that He has a name. Actually, more than just one name. And He introduces Himself to you with that name in the Bible. He's so personal that he created your kneecaps. And we could all line up and put on our shorts or our skirts so that we could see our kneecaps today. And all of us would have different looking kneecaps. Amazing. God gave you yours. And he, mine are kind of bumpy. I don't know why I like mine. I'd trade mine out for someone's if he'd be willing. But God made us all and designed us the way that we are. That's how personal he is. He knows you better than you know yourself. He personally came to this earth to rescue you. And, and he died for you and for your sins particularly. And he still comes to you physically, real, with his body and blood in Holy Communion. He comes to you personally, intimately. He intimately claimed you as his own in baptism. When, when the person who baptized you, probably your pastor, said your name and said God's name and introduced the two of you and God put you on his lap and he said, I love you. You're my favorite child. You're mine. He said that to each of you. See, God is a personal being. 
And so when we think about what we want to pray for, it's important that we don't think of just some, some floating idea or some possible force or, or some positive thinking. But what lies behind the question, what do I pray for, is the God to whom I pray. And really the best answer to that question, what do I pray for, is answered in the very first couple words you might say in your prayer. Dear God. We're going to study Psalm 86 today. Psalm 86 is a psalm and it's written by David. And if you follow David's life and then read what David wrote in, in some of these psalms that David wrote, you see an intense personal relationship that David has with God. I mean, it's, David can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with God sometimes. He can almost act like he's going to slap God across the face sometimes. He can, he can just let it all out at times and complain and be angry and, and vent. And he can also tell God how close his heart is to God's and how significant God and God's love are to him. And it's a great example for us in this prayer of David in Psalm 86 where we answer the question, what do I pray for? Because that's where it starts having a relationship with God. So use your pen, take some notes today. The sermon notes are in your worship folder. Um, you, can, you can follow along. Um, I'm going to really track verse by verse through this portion of Psalm 86 to answer the question, what do I pray for? And uh, there's a couple fill-in-the-blanks there that you can fill in as we go along. I'll tell you a couple stories that relate, and uh, by the end of it, you're going to see what's important when we consider what we pray for. So let's start with verse 1. Psalm 86, verse 1. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Hear me. The, uh, the Hebrew word there, Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the original Hebrew word there means stretch out a body part. Like, like you would stretch out your hand to greet someone, except this one means stretch out your ear to me. It means you can kind of picture God cupping his, his ear and, and leaning into you as you're like trying to get a message to him, and he's leaning in like, okay, okay, I'm listening, tell me, and then answer me. Answer me means that this is a personal endeavor. When you pray to God, he has answers that are made specifically just for you. The answer to prayer is not like motivational posters that hang in your you know, in your office or in your locker room or you post on Facebook maybe. And all great, motivational stuff, wonderful. But it's for everyone, right? It's generic. It's, you have to look at it, take it, and say, hmm, how is that going to work for me? Answers to prayer from God are not like that. They are personal and, and made in God's mind and heart just for you. So when we say, hear me, God, answer me, we're, that's, we're touching on that personal relationship with God. And then we say, I'm poor and needy. That was a Hebrew phrase in those days, to say, I'm poor and needy. It's like us saying, I'm up the creek without a paddle. It means, I got some stuff going on, God, and, but I don't have what it takes to, to do it, to figure it out. I, where demand exceeds my ability. I'm, I'm poor and needy. God, I need your help. Now, here's how that relates to prayer. I'm going to tell you the typical way we pray. I'm including myself here, too. Here's the typical way we pray. I'm going about my life. I'm, I'm, it's all good. I'm having a good time. There's a couple things I'm struggling with. And then suddenly I realize that my external conditions are existing in such a way that 
that I'm not really happy about. There's, there's something going on in my world, in my external conditions, that's, that's making me unhappy. And if I could just change that, things would be better. And so I pray. I say, God, would you take care of this external condition? That you know, It might be raining on my picnic. It might be too hot or too cold. I might be having the wrong people, giving me the wrong kind of business. Whatever it is. God, can you take care of this external condition? And uh, God has so much more in mind for you than that. But that's typically how we approach him. Here's how that looks to God. You're hanging out with a six-year-old, and that six-year-old, the uh, six-year-old little boy, and that six-year-old little boy, he has a truck, and the truck breaks. Like, a wheel falls off, okay? Oh, man, what a bummer. So the six-year-old comes to you and says, my, my truck is broke. Can you fix my truck? And you say, well, I have something better. How about if I, I, I have $20 million, all right, how about if I put that into a 401k for you? And, uh, and, you can have, and you can take it out later in life. You don't have to retire. For, you can take it out whenever you want. And you can buy a fleet of trucks. And actually, you can own a trucking company. And you can maybe even own uh, a small continent, if you would like, and set up all the trucks you want on that. I'll, I'll do that for you. And what does a six-year-old say? Well, oh, that sounds great. No. <laughs> no. The six-year-old says, I just want you to fix my truck. Right? That's what it looks like to God. When I look at my external conditions, and those conditions are making me unhappy, and I come to him, and those are really the substance of my prayer life. God, can you fix this? And, and God's more interested in the internal, and makes the offer, and, he's, and he doesn't fix the external. Sometimes, sometimes he does. And we're like, well, God, what are you doing? See, here's the deal. In prayer, our real problem comes not from external conditions. Our real problem comes from a lack of internal condition. Our real problem comes from a lack of knowing who God is and how He operates and applying that to our lives. Our real problem comes from not believing in how good and faithful God is. Our real problem comes in not plugging into the power of God and what He can do for us. Our real problem is in not seeing the value of what's on the inside and being only focused on the broken truck. That's our real problem, is an internal condition and a lack of a healthy one. So what does God do? Sometimes he'll use external conditions to help us focus on our internal condition. Kind of like being hungry. You see, you're, you're kind of hungry, but maybe not. You don't, you don't notice you're hungry and until you're in H-E-B and you're going shopping. And then those little stands that they have, that they, they make samples of things, something smells so good. Or you look at a box of ice cream sandwiches, it's like, whoa, I'm hungry now. Uh, right? You don't realize you're hungry until you, the external circumstances and conditions prompt you. So what God will do is he'll allow external conditions and circumstances to, to exist in such a way that it affects the inside, that it affects the, the internal. And then what he wants you to be is not just hungry for ice cream sandwiches, 
or whatever is on the outside. He wants you to be hungry for God. And that's why Jesus' mother, Mary, in Luke chapter 1, gives this beautiful witness to what God is up to and to his glory. And, and in that, we call it the Song of Mary. In there, she says, he fills the hungry with good things. And that's why Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, can say, right, blessed are those who are hungry, who are hungry for God's righteousness, they will be filled. You go to God with a hungry heart. You go to God understanding that your external conditions are external only. And, and go to God with an understanding that you want some, something on the inside too. And ask Him for it. And the Bible says He will fill you up. He will fill you up from the inside. So don't be afraid to pray about the external conditions, but to understand the importance of the internal first and climb into God's lap and look up at him and say, I got a problem. And it's important, it's external, but I'm also looking for what's internal. And he'll look down at you and he'll love you and he'll say, I, I have what you need. You're my favorite child. I'm going to take care of you. And then here, the rest of the psalm really unwraps all this, this internal and external. So verses, verses two, 2 and 3 here. Guard my life. For I am faithful to you, save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God, have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Um, I am faithful to you. That means, uh, God, you're the only one. And you, you see that phrase expressed here a number of times. It, means, it literally means I'm loyal to you. I'm devoted to you, God. God, there is no other God in my life. You're the only one. I am, I am dedicated to you as my God. Save me, God. Powerful word. That, that word, save me? Hoshia. And in the New Testament expression of that word was actually a name that Hebrew parents gave their little boys. Yeshua. And then the modern expression of that Hebrew name, Yeshua, is Jesus. This is like saying, like, save me right here, is like saying, Jesus me. God, give me Jesus. I have all this external stuff going on, but God, I know that the best solution, the best answer is Jesus. God, give me Jesus. Jesus me. Save me. And realizing that's our greatest need, and it's, it's filled by the God who answers that prayer. Keep going. Next verses. Um, I'm going to comment on all day long later. Uh, bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I have put my trust in you. Yes, Lord, or you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. You see that? It, joy and trust. David in this psalm is focusing on the internal. God, give me joy on the inside. Give me trust on the inside. And when you take care of what's on the inside, God, that's going to bloom out. It's going to be squeezed out onto the outside and the external will be taken care of too. So, the whole point about prayer tends to be that we pray for things. When, when you see the question, what do I pray for? You think, what things do I pray for should be on the top of the list? And uh, here's the irony about prayer. 
When we come to God and our focus, we're, our, we're fixated on things, on external things, we usually don't get external things from God or because we're so fixated on the external, we don't get internal things either. But when we come to God and we're not fixated on the external, but we come to God with a hungry heart that's open and interested on the internal, then we get both. Then God fills the internal and takes care of the external too. Jesus' words say this. You may know these. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the irony of prayer. And so, going through that exercise is a good one. That and it's a struggle. It will always be a struggle to prioritize the internal over the external. And, and when we do, here's what prayer does. Prayer makes God central again. Prayer makes, makes God more important than us. When we come to him with, with uh, not so much a list of things, but asking him to fix what's lacking on the inside, and then asking him about those external things too, that's good. But getting that in the right priority, in the right order, he fills the hungry with good things. And if God fills you with joy on the inside, believe me, that's going to go a long way and taking care of some of the outward things that frustrate you and that worry you and make you anxious. And they're just going to, poof, they're going to be taken care of. And if God gives you more trust from the inside, that's going to take care of some of what's on the outside because you'll be connected with God. And so we're recalibrating ourselves in prayer and making God central again. This was an issue for the father of modern science. You know who the father of modern science is? Back to school time. I hope Google is correct. Right. Father of modern science is Galileo. And Galileo made some awesome discoveries. Not all of them are correct. But one, the bi one of the biggest, perhaps the biggest discovery that Galileo made was this. Heliocentrism. It's a big fancy word. I'm trying to impress you. I probably said it wrong. That means that the sun, right, is, is the center uh, around which the earth orbits, where up to that time, scientists believed that the earth was at the center of the universe or a galaxy and everything orbited around the earth. And, and Galileo came around. He said, no, the, the sun is at the center. And people thought he was crazy. As a matter of fact, the church thought he was crazy, branded him a heretic, put him under house arrest, and demanded that he, he not preach this false doctrine and lead people astray. Fascinating story. Until finally he was able to write and communicate and talk to the right people and the timing was right where he convinced scientists in the world, listen, the, the earth is not at the center of all things. The, the sun is at the center. You know, we tend to think that our world, each of us individually, is, is at the center and everything orbits around us. And when we pray in that way, we, we lose out on so many blessings from God because he's not about to give me blessings and, and gifts. He can in his mercy, but if I think that everything revolves around me, even God himself, but 
If I believe that God is at the center and I come to him in, a, in prayer and I orbit around him and everything else does that he's at the center, that's how we want to approach God and prayer helps us to do that. All right, I want to um, work through that second half of this psalm and we're going to get, go a little more quickly now. Um, I do want to mention this. It's really interesting as you look at these words in Psalm 86. Psalm 86 can be divided into five parts. Each of them beginning with a plea to God, a prayer. And in each of those five different pleas to God or prayers to God, it's more about God than about me. It's recalibrating and it's putting God back at the center. We have three of those five in the verses that are printed in, the, in your worship folder today on page four. We have three of those five. So the first one begins at verse one. Hear me, O Lord. Hear my prayer. I am poor and needy. That means, God, I'm nothing without you. That's verse one. Uh, verse eight says, Hear my prayer, Lord. My cry for mercy. Again, centering us on Lord. And verse 10 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. As saying, Lord, I have, I have something to learn from you. When I pray to you, Lord, it's not all about me. I'm praying to you as an exercise for you to teach me about you and how you operate. I'm open to learning from you. And then those are expressed in the final three verses. This is the slide that's up there, verses 8, verse 10, and verse 12. Um, so let me show you then how this puts God in a Galileo-like way, puts God at the center of your prayers. Verse 8, among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. This is you saying to God, God, there's a lot of things that can give me happiness in this life. But none of them make me as happy as you, God. And I know people, and you know me, and we're all people, and I know we all struggle with this, and it's okay, we're going to struggle with this. We're sinful people. We're going to struggle with looking to things to make us happy instead of God. And then things gravitate toward the center of our, of our universe, and we want our life to orbit around them. And we, it, it's work to put God in that central place, but praying helps us to do that. Verse 10, you alone are God. Beautiful prayer. Here's what this means very practically. This means we don't pray to Mary. Mary is not God. Mary cannot save you. Nor can I. Nor can any other pastor. Nor can any other religious figure. Only Jesus can save you. Only God saves you. We don't pray to saints. Saints can't save you. We don't say to any saints, people who have died and are in heaven, oh, you, you alone are my saint. You can save me. We, no. You alone are God tells God, you're the only one that I pray to. Don't pray to your boss. Don't pray to your parents or your grandparents. Don't pray to any person, no matter how good they are. And the saints are good. And Mary is blessed. It, that's But we... But those people don't save us. We say to God, God, you alone are my Lord. And my boss can't save me. And my paycheck can't save me. And my 401k can't save me. And, and good fitness can't save me. God, you alone are Lord. Prayer helps us focus on that. Verse 12, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. We want to tell God, God, I'm holding nothing back. 
I'm giving my whole heart to you, and I'm not keeping a piece of it just for me to control just a little bit because I got it. You know me, God. I just need that. I, can you give God your whole heart in prayer and trust him to guide it and to love it and, and to lead your way? That's giving him an undivided heart. And then this, this wraps it up, verse 11. Um, here's what to pray for, verse 11. If there's a specific answer, it's this. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Teach me, Lord. Help me learn that you are, you are the one who's going to make me happy from the inside and that everything else will take care of itself. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, not to put you in a corner, but to make it all about you, make my prayer all about you. And then for you, prayer will be less like a fortune cookie and more like a chocolate chip cookie. This is so important. Speaking of being hungry. All right, here, a fortune cookie is, uh, what do you do? You, you snap it open, and you don't really pay attention to the actually pretty good tasting crusty-like substance that's the cookie itself, right? I think those are pretty good. But you rip open that piece of paper. What does it say? What does it say? And you, you focus on that. You know what? Was that printed just for you? Give me a break. It was not. They didn't, they didn't know that you were going to open that. And that, that's a message that could apply to you and six billion other people. So don't be going feeling so special when you open your fortune and it says you're going to win the lottery or something. That could apply to anyone. Let's not treat prayer like, like a fortune cookie, but let's treat it like a chocolate chip cookie. Now that's a cookie. That is a, it doesn't even need a piece of paper on the inside. Why? Because whoever baked those cookies for you, and I'm talking homemade chocolate chip cookies now, not, not little Debbie ones or Keebler ones you buy at the store. Real, moist, ooey-gooey, not crunchy. Ch chocolate chip cookies are not crunchy. They're supposed to be gooey. All right, gooey, ooey, warm is better. Warm, ooey, gooey chocolate chip cookies that you, oh, maybe you have them with milk or ice cream. And that's what prayer is like. Because know what? Where do you take, you not only eat those chocolate chip cookies at home, if there's any left whatsoever, you might take one to work. And then you take it to work or take it to school, put it in your lunchbox and take it to school. And you, you haul out this ooey, gooey chocolate chip cookie. And your friends who are with you at the table are like, whoa, give me some. They see the chocolate chip cookie, they have the Keebler kind, they have their little Debbie processed cupcakes, you know. They, but you have ooey gooey, chocolate chippy love. And, and then you tell them, my wife made these, right? My mom made these, and she's the best chocolate chip cookie maker ever. And then it's really not so much about the chocolate chip cookie, is it? Because then your friends are thinking, I want a mom like that. All right, I, the guys are thinking, I wish my wife would do that. They're thinking about the person who made that cookie. And, it, and the cookie is awesomeness, but there's a greater awesomeness. And it's the person who loved you enough to make those your special way and make them for you. That's prayer! Prayer is God's love for you, and it's good, and it feels good, and it's great, but ultimately, the point of prayer is to take us beyond prayer to the awesomeness of a loving God who answers us in the way that He knows is best, 
and then our, our, our whole world is orbiting around God. So three takeaways for you, three practical points um, that help wrap up the prayer series. And I'm not giving you a list today what to pray for. I'm doing that on purpose because that's going to be different for each of us, the external conditions. But I'm trying to influence your heart so that that list has a nice foundation and place to land on. And it's okay to have a list. So we, we established the internal importance. Now I have some external tips without giving you a list. And if there's one thing I would have for you to do to try to take this prayer series, and I know some of you have talked to me and you've grown from the series and you've, you've engaged in some new prayer practices and you've seen God in a new way. And even people have told me God's answers to their prayers. It's really been an exciting journey. I'm going to miss this. But here's what I'm going to do and I want you to join me. Make an effort to, do, to pray in three ways. This is very simple and you can do this every day and it's a ritual. Number one, go prayers. This is in the morning when you're just awake enough to realize what's coming up for your day. And just awake enough so that it might feel a little overwhelming to you. Or might feel like you don't want to get out of bed and face it. All right? It's not too long after you wake up. For some of you, it's like right away. You're awake. Others, it takes a, little, a cup of coffee. That's okay. So whenever you reach that point, pray. Before you face your day, before you leave, before you go get in the car and go to work, before you check your email, pray about what's coming up for your day. That's a goal prayer. God, go with me. I'm, I'm going today. I'm going to this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Bring all that into a short little prayer, and it can be you know, five minutes less. Go and, and bring God into what's going on for your day. All right? Can you do that every day? Say yes. All right. All right. Glad you agree. Number two. Breath prayers. This is now throughout the day. A breath prayer is like, whew, God, that was close. That was close. Thank you for keeping me safe. It's like the proper way to say, oh, my God. Okay? It's the proper way to say, oh, my God. Oh, my God. David says that in the psalm. My God, I need you going into this job interview. Be with me, please. Oh, my God. I, I'm getting the test results this afternoon. God. Right? Breath prayers, just kind of, oh. All right? So those are throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, I, I want you to do not just go prayers, not just breath prayers, but peace prayers. This is when you put your head on the pillow at night and just before. You might kind of be semi in, mo in zombie mode and, and kind of sleepy. That's okay. Um, this is where you kind of do a, a spiritual clean sweep of the day. And, and you just say, you put your heart at rest. And you give it to God, and you say, God, this is what happened today, and some of it I don't understand, and some of it, God, I'm sorry for, I, I didn't, I messed up, please forgive me. And God, you, you put in your hand and your mind all of this that I'm thinking about right now, and you take care of it. I'm going to go to sleep, God. You don't sleep, you stay awake, you take care of it, and tomorrow's going to be a new, new day. And uh, thank you, God, for giving me peace. Go prayers, breath prayers, peace prayers. Can you give it a try? Say yes. All right, give it a try. See how it works and see how you expand your, your prayer life. And somewhere in there, you're going to have a list of prayers for other people. You decide where in those three that, that list goes. Uh, but uh, give that a shot. And thank you, God, for this prayer series. And thank you for listening and being people of prayer. Amen. Let's pray now. God, we don't always know what to pray for. And we don't always get it right and get the priority right. But... 
But we're comforted and encouraged today because you tell us this. You tell us that as long as our heart is right with you, we can ask for anything. So God, work on our hearts. Give us hearts like David's that, that trust in you and that, that have a joy in them. Sometimes that joy is, is overwhelmed by troubles and by our, our worry, Lord, but, but you assure us that it's in there and we ask you to make it shine more brightly every day, not just in positive thinking, but in joyful trust in your promises. Make us better people of prayer, Lord trusting in your answers, willing to go the direction that you lead. And may this series that we've had this summer uh, make a big difference in our lives, in the lives of others, and even in our world, God, because you're that big, and we love you and you trust you. Amen.